0: Let's take our Bibles tonight. Please turn to John chapter, or sorry, Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six tonight. Thank you for being here. It's always a blessing when anybody comes back. Appreciate that. Luke chapter six. I'm surprised my mom keeps coming back. Listen, when I say something in the service that she's not in, you're not supposed to tell her. All right. It got back to her this morning, and so Luke chapter six. Luke chapter 6. you glad you're saved? Man, you know, salvation is not a feeling, but it sure feels good. I'll tell you that. It's the truth. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I'm going to be honest with you. I uh, wasn't planning on preaching this tonight, and I just was reading my Bible this afternoon, and a verse gripped my heart, and when that happens, it scares me, to be honest with you, because you don't know if you'll be done in 10 minutes or two hours or whatever however the Lord leads and so I jotted a bunch of things down quickly and uh, I, I just I'm preaching it because I believe the Lord wants me to preach it and so uh, I'll say that I'm not saying I'm trying to wing anything or do anything like that I just I just want to be obedient to the Lord and the Lord gave me a verse this afternoon and so I'm going to share it with you and I and I'm I, I don't I hope you didn't come to church just to get out of church well it got real quiet maybe you did I don't know <laughs> Uh, we don't come to church to get out. We come to spend time with the Lord, and and uh, hopefully it's sweet fellowship. And I'm honestly I'm on vacation as soon as this is over, so I'm good. I can preach all night. It doesn't matter to me. Luke chapter six. Let's look there together tonight. Luke chapter six. And it came to pass. I'm going to read 19 verses, and I, I know that's a lot to read. I'm not going to preach on all those verses, so don't get excited. Uh, but I want to show you something through the passage that impressed upon my heart today. And, 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 just, it'll just tell you a little bit more, probably already knew, you already knew this. This is not going to be anything. How many of you know that if you've read your Bible, there's nothing new. It's just that the Lord just gives us things at timely appointments. And so Luke chapter six, I want to, I want to look at something the Lord just, just blessed my heart with today and reminded me of, and it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat. Rubbing them in their hands. Why does the Bible say rubbing them in their hands? Well, they were taking, they were shucking the corn, is what I, I get from that. And that was work. You couldn't do that. In 2014, when we were in Israel, we couldn't even push the elevator buttons. If you got on an elevator on the Sabbath day, it stopped at every floor because to push a button was work. So the Bible says they were rubbing the corn in their hands. In verse 2, And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, why do, you, why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? Jesus answering them said, Have ye not read so much as this what David did when himself was hungered, and they which were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread? Gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. David must have been thoroughly convinced that God was okay with that. For it was also David that saw Uzzah die when he touched the ark. This was a big deal. But David knew that God wanted to provide for their needs. Verse 5, and he said to them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. It came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose. And stood forth, and I love what Jesus does next. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other Look what it says. And they were filled with madness. I was always taught that people get angry, dogs get mad. They were frothing at the mouth. They were upset. And they were filled with madness and commanded one with another, or communed one with another, what they might do to Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zealots, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor." They came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, I pray that you would organize my thoughts now, but Lord, that they might be organized by the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, that you would speak through me. I surrender to you, and I need your filling. I need your help, and uh, honestly speaking, is just a thought you've pierced my heart with tonight. I pray, Lord, that it would be communicated well, that it would speak to our hearts that the word of God might help us tonight. And Lord, we'll give you thanks and praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen. I want to illustrate something to you tonight, and I don't want you to think at all for a moment I'm complaining. I'm not complaining, and I'm not trying to brag about anything either. I don't want you to think about that at all. Our Sunday schedule is a busy day. I like it busy. I like a busy church, and I know in the past we've had folks say, we just need to slow down. We are tired and I even in the springtime a long time ago, in February I suppose it was, we sat with the staff and said maybe there's some things we need to adjust in our schedule because we're just getting so busy. But Sundays is one of those days, typically on a Sunday I'll get up at 5 or 5.30 and come to church within about a half hour of that time and try to be here at 5.30 or 6 o'clock or so, and this morning was a little bit later. And we'll, we'll rehearse at 7.30 in the morning, so I'll go to my office and I often I'll listen to a couple songs. It just, it, music has always been a blessing to me. I, I love almost every Sunday I, sing song, I listen to the song, Remember Lodabar. A song that we had heard uh, a couple years ago, just the, the, Manarezi, or the sorry, the Matero family was here with us, and Mrs. Matero wrote that song, and it's just a blessing about where would we be unless the king passes by. And remember Lodabar, remember where he used to be, and of course Lodabar was the young man that came to sit at the king's table, and, and it, just, it just fills me. It just excites me. There's another song I, I like to listen to nearly every Sunday morning as well right now. We get in our ruts, don't we? We like certain things for a while. And Another one called Face to Face. It's called Peter's Song. About Peter standing face to face with Christ and how it changed his life. How he was the one that saw him after he rose from the dead. And one day we'll bow before him because we will see him face to face. Just, just a great, great, and it just it gets me excited. And then I'll read my Bible a little bit, and I'll I'll pray some more, and and study a little bit more, and just getting ready for the day. At seven thirty, we come in the auditorium, and there's often music pra- every Sunday. Right now, there's music practices at seven thirty in the morning. We have an eight thirty service, and so we will sing all the hymns. We'll practice them, and and uh, because we're trying to do different parts, and so we'll get together and we'll practice the songs and the parts. At 8.30, we have a service, and we'll sing those four hymns again. And this morning, the ensemble will sing a couple songs, and then I'll preach, and then we do it all over again at 10.30. And then at 6 o'clock at night, we'll sing four more songs. And, and as you can hear by about now, my voice is about done. And I, I'll tell you this, but more than my voice is this. And I've asked, I've asked you Wednesday night, would you begin to pray? For my voice, as long as we have the extra services and the extra singing and all the rest, it's going to be tired, and that's okay. It's a good tired. But I've said this many times. After Sunday morning right now especially, I am exhausted. I'm not looking for your sympathy. I'm not trying to brag about how much we're doing. I'm not trying to get your pity. Please don't think any of that. I'm trying to illustrate something tonight. This I understand There are physical jobs I can go and do that don't tire me near as much as preaching does. If you've preached, you probably understand what I'm talking about, Brother Smith. There's a spiritual battle that takes place while you're preaching. The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The devil is always battling, and there's conflicts going on. As a matter of fact, there's conflicts going on in this room tonight, right, in your hearts and lives. And some of you are just barely hanging on. And for whatever reason, the Lord seems to put those before the preacher. I don't know why. It's just that sometimes I can just scan the crowd and I just know, boy, they're hurting today. Somebody is burdened today. Sometimes I just catch the eye of somebody and I see the Nortons, and I know it's lost their grandma this week. And all that is going through my mind as we're ministering and singing and preaching, and sometimes we'll grab another song and we'll sing it just for the one person that's grieving. Does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he cares. We'll just put something like that in the service to be a blessing. But I want you to understand there's a spiritual battle that takes place. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual darkness and all the rest. And I say all that to say it is exhausting. Now, again, I'm not complaining. I'm not whining. It is a good tired. We go home Sunday nights, and I always say to my wife, I said, Sunday night is my favorite night of the week because it's just like the pressure just goes for a couple hours, and then Monday morning hits. But it builds all week until you get to Sunday and understand souls hang in the balance. I don't take that for granted. I understand that there might be somebody here tonight on their way to hell. And, and I, I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm not here to throw fire and brimstone upon you. I'm just here telling you the facts that there might be a soul hanging in the balance tonight. And so all that, I just, I just get weary. I get tired. Let me ask you this. I, and again, I'm just illustrating something. How tired do you think Jesus got? Sometimes I look in the faces of the people in the room and I perceive issues Jesus knew about their issues. He knew their pain and their suffering. And and, and I'm not so foolish to believe that. I I mean, some of you tonight are here and, and you may not be feeling well. You just dragged yourself into church because you wanted to be in, in the house of God. You wanted to sing praises to the Lord and you wanted to get around the word of God. And I understand that you're here tonight, uh, but you really don't feel like being here. Some of you come just out of duty. You've been coming for so long, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself if you weren't in church. I, poor, poor Jennifer Wilbank, she, loves, she just loves being in church so much that she, she couldn't, can't be here right now. She's not well, so she went and got a doctor's note for me. She didn't want me to think she was missing church. So the doctor said she cannot come to church right now. I, mean, I like that. I like that. Dedication. She is not. That, that, I, you don't need to do that. But I just, I just I thought it was. Honestly, it was just cute. I thought it was just a sweet thing to do. She just thought, I just need to let them know I can't be in church. Because she loves being here. And so we come. And I, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not so naive to believe that some of you aren't hurting. And you cover it up. Some of you are in physical pain tonight. you got aches and pains. How many of you took a nap this afternoon and thought, boy, I just don't feel like getting out of this lazy boy chair. It's awful comfortable about 5.30 on a Sunday night. But as much as I can perceive that and so much more that I cannot know about, the Lord bore all those burdens. The Lord had a busy life. Now, notice what it says as we look at Luke chapter 6, and if I could just paraphrase very quickly as we read through Luke chapter 6, we find first of all, the Lord Jesus Christ was walking through a cornfield with his disciples, and it just happened to be the Sabbath day, and they were hungry, so they picked some corn. That didn't seem to bother them so much as that they began to shuck that corn. They began to get the kernels off, and perhaps they were going to cook it or they were going to eat it raw. I don't know. But whatever they were doing, the Pharisees took exception. They said, so Why are you doing this on the Sabbath? He said, Oh, don't you know that I'm also the Lord of the Sabbath? The next Sabbath day, they went into a church and there, a synagogue, and there, there was a man with a withered hand, and well, I love what the Lord Jesus Christ did there, and just understand the busyness of the Lord's ministry, and as he came to that, that, uh, that synagogue and that man was stood before the Lord Jesus Christ, all the Pharisees began to hold their breath and say, what's he up to now? And he said, let me ask you something. Is it better to do good or evil on the Sabbath day Boy, he loved messing with those Pharisees. How do they answer that question? He says, stretch forth thine hand, and the hand was made whole. But from there, we come into a very, very busy season. Understand, Jesus has not yet named all his disciples. This is early on in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says in Luke chapter uh, 6, and and look with me in verse 12, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. And you can read the next three verses as he names the 12 apostles. The Bible says in verse 17, he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples. Look at who says next. And a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from seacoast of Tyre and Sidon which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Now look at verse 18. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits. Now I want to I ask you something. I don't think that somebody that was vexed with an unclean spirit voluntarily came to Jesus. I think they came to cause trouble. That's what I think. When, the, when an unclean spirit or a demonic force gets inside a man, as we see in the Bible, I don't think that that man has power of himself to go to Jesus and to seek healing. We see many times in the Bible where people took demoniacs to Jesus or they brought Jesus to demoniacs, but we don't see very often somebody walking up and saying, Jesus, I'm a demoniac. Can you heal me? I think they came to heckle. I think they came to cause trouble. What I think they came to do is what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us. They came to engage Jesus in a spiritual battle. In a spiritual battle. But here's something that I learned about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. Now look what it says next. For there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Now keep your finger right there in Luke chapter 6. And keep that verse in mind. Luke chapter 6 verse 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went out virtue, power, that's the word dynamis, out of him and healed them all. Turn back to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at the parallel passage here. It gives us some more detail from a different perspective of what is going on in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ at this time. Matthew chapter 4 and look at verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments. And those which were possessed with devils. And those which were lunatic. And those that had the palsy. And he healed them. And there followed him. Look at the next few words. Great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Turn to Mark. Chapter 3, another parallel passage, but we'll just get a few more details here. What's going on in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ? Mark chapter 3, verse 7. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan. And they about Tyre and Sidon, so many of the same cities, so it's the same passage. A great multitude, when they had heard that great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitudes, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many insomuch that they passed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues and unclean spirits when they saw him fell down before him and cried saying thou art the son of God and he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Notice what is going on in this period, this early part of the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry. The Bible says that multitudes were following him and people were thronging him so much so that the Lord said, maybe we better have a boat ready just in case we get thronged. And we remember times when Jesus would push out into the boat for safety and he could preach to the multitudes from the water. And and so perhaps that's what Jesus had in mind. I don't believe he was wanting to escape the masses, but perhaps to better minister to them. The Bible says there were those that were sick and those that had palsies and those that had diseases and those that were vexed with demons and those that were lunatics. And the Bible says that Jesus healed them all. But in Luke chapter 6, it tells us when he healed them all, virtue went out of him. I told you a sad story about my life. That I sing a little bit and I preach for 45 minutes and I'm wiped out. The Bible literally says virtue went out of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't ministering to a hundred people like are here tonight. He was ministering to multitudes. From various cities, thousands of people upon thousands were thronging him around the Sea of Galilee to the point where he thought he might have to step out into a boat just to get free of them a little bit to better minister. And so I thought, wow, the Lord... Must really got tired. And so I did a search. I took my computer out and I looked up the word tired in the Bible. It appears one time in the book of Exodus. It has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. I looked up the word tire. Perhaps the King James English would say that he would tire. It happens one time in the Bible, again in the book of Exodus. Never about Jesus Christ. I looked up the word weary. The only time the Bible uses the word weary, it uses it about 19 times. It's talking about you. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Never about Jesus Christ. I looked up another word. I looked up the past tense, wearied. It happens one time in the Bible, and it's talking about Jesus. Jesus. Turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I think it's important that we look at that. You still have your finger in Luke 6 or did you forget? You forgot. Yeah, That's why I got a bookmark. John chapter 4. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied. Look what it says though next. With his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. I want to submit to you this thought tonight. In Luke chapter 6, verse 19, we read that virtue went out of him. That word virtue is dynamis, power, strength. It would stand to reason that the more the Lord Jesus Christ ministered to the multitudes, the more tired he would become but the only time the Bible ever associates being tired with the Lord Jesus Christ is in his physical body. He was wearied from his journey. His feet were sore. He was tired of the dusty roads. And he sat on a wellside. What I would suggest to you tonight is this, that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the God in the flesh, the 100% part of him that was man grew tired, he would sleep at night, he would rest. But the Son of God, who was 100% God, never once wearied in doing the will of his Father. Never once. Never in the Scriptures do we read that he grew tired. When the Bible says that virtue went out from his body, he was never weakened by it. It just shows us once again that Jesus Christ is the all sufficient one. That he is almighty God in the flesh. That he has omnipotency as one of his attributes. He is almighty and all powerful God. Now, there's a point to all this, and let me share it with you. John chapter 4. Let's continue on. He said, Where did he get this strength? Physically he was a man and so he tired his feet were weary and his back was sore as he traveled those dusty roads of Judea and he sat at the edge of the well but I believe there was more to it there was a purpose to his weariness. The Bible says in verse 7, Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which is a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered his son unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? And art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, referring to the well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come hither to draw. Why did all this virtue and all this power, you'll remember there was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. She suffered at the hands of many physicians. The Bible says when the Lord Jesus Christ sensed that she had touched the hem of his garment, he said, who hath touched me for virtue? We can only assume, but I think it's a safe assumption, that every time the Lord Jesus Christ healed somebody, every time somebody touched him, that virtue went out. And yet he never wearied And he tells us why in John chapter 4. Because I have a well within me. Of life-giving water. Here's the good news. He offers it to you. Come, everyone that thirsteth. And I will give you drink. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Psalm chapter 28 says... The Lord is my strength and my shield. I was telling you about a week ago, I was helping Calvin move a couch. And that's part of the reason we're going on vacation this week, because Calvin's moving. But he went out and bought the heaviest couch you could ever imagine. He put it in a basement with a four-foot ceiling and a post and stairwell, and he made me go backwards up the stairs. And so he made fun of me. He says, maybe I should get got Ida to come over here and help me. Maybe Timmy could do a better job. And he was just teasing me about my weakness. Here's the thing. You don't have to rely on Alphariah's strength. Our strength is in the Lord. And he is the omnipotent one. He is almighty God. His strength is never failing. He has a well within him that shall never run dry. And it won't just give you life, it'll give you everlasting life. Now turn back to John or Luke chapter 6. I told you we'd come back there. Look back at Luke chapter 6. and I want you to notice something. The Lord Jesus Christ is in the busy part of his ministry. And from this point, it only gets busier. And you'll remember that he is fighting with the Pharisees in John chapter 6 in the first part about shucking some corn. And then later on, he's fighting the Pharisees again as he heals a man with a withered hand. And the Bible says something. And I believe this is where he finds the source of his strength in verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to do what? Pray. Pray. But he didn't just pray, did he? He continued all night in prayer to God. In essence, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, I got a busy day tomorrow. I got to pick 12 scoundrels to be my disciples. And I've got to set out for the next three years to train them. And teach them and spend every waking moment with these roughnecks. And not only that, once again, tomorrow I'm gonna to be thronged by the multitudes, and they're all gonna to try to reach out and grab onto me. And every time they do, virtue's gonna go out with me. But I can't afford to get tired, people need me. People need to be healed and demons need to be cast out and blinded eyes need to see again and dead need to be raised to life. But how can that be accomplished? I need to go to my father. There's a well there of everlasting water and it's springing up within me, but it's fed from the throne of God and I must go to him in prayer. And that's what he did. He turned to the Lord and he prayed. In physical labor and trial, Jesus grew weary. But in spiritual labor and trial, Jesus never tired. Often we're just the opposite. We are to come to the Lord for our strength. Turn if you will to Galatians chapter six. I want you to see this borne out one more time. Galatians chapter six. I, I'm almost done. I. I told you I didn't have an organized message. I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share some thoughts. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Here's the thing. The Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now here's where it gets really important. Look at verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now let's think about that verse just for a moment. Have you ever sown to the flesh? You do every time you eat. You're trying to strengthen your flesh. Some of you exercise. Some of you got mad when I said that word. Uh, I'm with you, amen. I shouldn't be cursing up here, should I? And we exercise and we try to, uh, you know, the Bible says, how can you add even one stature to your, one measure to your stature? I mean, how? I I just read today that it was a birthday in the United States. A lady turned 116 and she's, as far as they know, the oldest lady in the world right now. 116 years old, turned 116 today. Amazing. But here's the thing. No matter what you do, no matter how healthy you live, you're still going to die. You can sow to the flesh all you want, but you're eventually going to reap corruption. As a matter of fact, we're already reaping corruption day after day as we get weaker and more tired and we grow older. But here's the thing if we sow to the Spirit, we will reap of the Spirit. Look what he says in the next verse Be not weary in well doing, for in due season we shall what? If we faint not. How did we reap in verse 8? You have to sow. You sow to your spirit, you'll reap in the spirit. But he says, oh, but don't, you don't have to get weary. We're going to get weary physically. I don't expect that to change. I, I think that probably until we get back to one service, I'm going to be wiped out on a Sunday afternoon. That's fine. But you don't have to get weary spiritually. If you will sow to the spirit, you'll reap In the Spirit, and be not weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap. Do you think God tied those verses together by accident? You say, How how do I do that? How do I sow this? You got to come to the living water. Come to the well that never runs dry. Come to the omnipotent one. Come to the spring of life. Come to Jesus Christ. Say, How did Jesus Christ do it? He prayed and he sought God. We do so much in our own strength. And the opposite of Galatians 6, 9 becomes true. We do become weary. No matter how good what we think we are doing is, but when we go to the Lord and we rely upon him and we draw upon his strength, then God blesses and moves. And that verse becomes real in our lives. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. How many of you would say tonight, you don't have to raise your hand. I just get tired. Some people call it burnout. I heard a preacher say, I'd rather burn out than rest out. The problem is you're out either way. You're still out. Burnout's no good. You don't have to burn out. You just gotta keep coming to the well. The Lord Jesus Christ... A while ago, I, I preached a message it was last, last March, I remember. The Lord Jesus Christ had this busy, 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 busy season, and there's just one verse stuck in the middle there, and it said this. it says, "And he retreated into the garden on the Mount of Olives." Do you know what Jesus did when he went to the garden on the Mount of Olives? You know what he did? He prayed. That was his place to pray. That's why he went there. I'm too busy to pray. Well, you're too busy not to pray. You need the strength of the Lord. You need that well, you need that infusion from God. A friend of ours in Africa, Pastor Boma. Every time we pray, he'll finish his prayer and he, he goes like this. He goes, Oh, I feel better already. That's what prayer does. It plugs you into the power of God and the strength of God. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes. Perhaps the Lord has spoke to your heart. The altar is open. You can pray where you are. Why don't we stand in case somebody wants to get out? Stand tonight. let me ask you this if the Lord Jesus Christ prayed how much more do you think we need to to get plugged into that strength of God that fountain he told that Samaritan well, I, I, got, I got water springing up within me hmm. that's the power of God I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me that's where real strength comes from. I know some of you are tired. You're tired of the pandemic. You're tired of having a church split in two on Sunday mornings. And you're... Some of you are in the choir and you miss being in the choir. Some of you miss your master club's kids and you miss Sunday school. You need the strength of the Lord. Be not weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap, but we have to sow to the Spirit.